one to Real Life, Real Equity with your host Justin and the lovely Keisha Brooks. Say hello everyone. Hey and welcome everybody. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing easy to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. And we'll do that right after this commercial break. Are you part of the club? The Real Equity Club is a group of like-minded individuals. The club's purpose is to help create more wealth for its members. The mission of the club, to help you increase your passive income and net worth. The club is completely free to you. When you join, you will receive the tools, providers, and ideas you need to create, grow, and maintain your wealth. So join the club now at realequityclub.com to gain access. Or send us an email to info at realequityclub.com. That's info at realequityclub.com equityclub.com. We want to see you succeed in business and in life. So go to the website at realequityclub.com and join now. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Real Life, Real Equity. I'm truly excited about today's guest because she's a mom. I'm a mom. She's into real estate. I'm into real estate. Let's introduce you to our guest today. Our guest today is a founding partner of Zenith Capital Group and REIMom.com. As a top-ranked former financial relationship manager for a private bank and having worked in the financial sector for over 20 years, she has a keen understanding of various financial tools available to grow and preserve wealth. Believing real estate to be one of the most powerful tools for creating stable cash flow, asset preservation, and equity growth, our guest today began investing in real estate 20 years ago. She has purchased, renovated, sold, and rented millions of dollars in real estate across numerous asset classes while working full-time and, as Keisha mentioned, raising four active children. Our guest today currently owns and manages a rental portfolio valued at over $12.5 million. As a general partner and sponsor, she actively seeks out the best multifamily investment properties for her and her partners. She is also frequently a guest of Real Estate Investing Podcast and speaks at REI groups across the country. She has coached numerous new investors through the purchase of their first rental property and flips and enjoys helping others to overcome their fears, increase their knowledge, and minimize their risk. She is also a number one best-selling author and a co-sponsor of a meetup group for women in real estate, REI Like a Girl. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce to you our guest today, Anna the REI Mom. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's talk a little bit about your background. I've read your story, excellent story. We have a lot in common and it's a lot more than I I thought. It was really inspiring, one. And then two, to have somebody from a totally different location have so many things in common with you. Tell them a little bit about your story, if you don't mind. Sure. So I am currently a real estate investor and primarily in kind of the multifamily space, but also some small residential properties. And in my story... I kind of went way back to just kind of think about what were the things that kind of made me who I am today and made me become driven to be successful. And I started out young as a product of divorce. My parents divorced when I was three or four years old. And my mother was married to someone who was really abusive. And so in the middle of the night, one night we you know, moved towns and I'm the oldest of seven children. And at the time, I had a a younger sister and a a little 
brother that my mother was pregnant with and she was a single mom. And so she worked during the day. And um, when I was nine, she went to work a second job at a restaurant and I started watching my siblings overnight. So it was kind of scary. I lived in a really nice area, but we lived in the only Section 8 project apartments in that area. And some rough things happened there. And so I was, you know, kind of scared and really naturally a free spirit, just wanted to have fun. But I learned very quickly that I had to be very responsible and really parent my siblings from a very young age Mm. while my mom worked. And she loved us and she was a great mom and did the best she could to provide for us. But it really took, you know, two jobs and, and food stamps to survive. And so we didn't have a lot of extra. And, you know, I lived in an area where everybody else had money. So I was definitely, you know, the poor kid and all my friends had all the new clothes and purses and all the nice stuff. And my mom just couldn't afford to get it for us. So I learned to become very resourceful. I started selling candy in school and learned how to crochet and I'd make these little pot holders and go door to door and sell them to make money and anything I could, you know, to to make money so that I could buy the things that I wanted that my mom really couldn't afford it, you know, to buy. And after a while, my mom remarried and we, she remarried a a man who was very abusive. Um, There was drugs and alcohol involved. And I really kind of had to step up and, and protect my mom. We spent many nights on relatives' couches and in battered women's shelters, but it helped me to become strong, much stronger than, you know, most kids should be. But it just helped me to have a, a mindset that that I just learned that you had to sometimes be more responsible than you wanted and and to stay strong no matter what and to just not give up. So that background kind of made me um, determined that I would never really depend on anybody, a man or anybody else to take care of me and that I needed to do whatever it took to really be the best at everything that I did so that, you know, in my mind, I could make a lot of money and be independent and be on my own and not depend on someone so that that kind of thing wouldn't happen to me and my kids in the future. So I graduated high school early and went to college and graduated college early while I did it in three years while working full time wow. and um, just really was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, once I get my degree and I get in the corporate world, you know, everything hard is going to be behind me and things are going to get really easy, I thought, you know. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a job as a financial relationship manager in a bank and got the number one ranked private banker in Texas the first year for Bank of America. Wow. And so, you know, my thought was my life is going to be climbing the corporate ladder. Like I'm going to be this, you know, great executive in banking and finance and, and all my problems are going to be behind me. Right. So about a couple of years later, I met my husband. And we got married and he had a six figure school loan. And yeah, and I thought, oh, great. We're going to have to basically live on, you know, one income and and use the other one to kind of pay down some debt. And right as we were making progress in that, I had a baby. Mm -hmm. And when I had my first child, you know, you you think your life is one thing and you think you're going to be successful and make a bunch of money and things are going to be easy. And then you hold that little baby in your arms for the first time. And there's just nothing 
like it. You know, right. your, your why and your perspectives just changes. It's, it's no longer about you and things and money. It's about taking care of that little life and yeah. giving them the very best of everything, your time and your love and, and teaching them. So at that point, it was kind of a, a crossroads in my life where everything I thought was important really kind of went out the window. And all I wanted to do was be a stay-home mom. You know, mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, if I could just stay home with my baby. Well, at that point, he was born in 2003. And my husband, you know, was a, a new chiropractor, and they don't make anything when they first come out of college and big school loan and uh, car payments and a house, you know, that we took on that we shouldn't have. And basically, I couldn't stay home. So it was really tough. And Right about that time in 2003, all of these flip this house shows started coming on. You know, the um, you, you can flip a house and make forty or fifty thousand dollars every single time, and you know, do it five or six times, and you're going to be a multimillionaire in no time. You know, that's what they promise you. So they don't tell you about holding costs and you know all the different things that you have to deal with your your closing costs and privileges and how to have professionals. So everything was kind of pie in the sky. But as a financial relationship manager, I had a lot of clients who were very wealthy that owned real estate. And I thought, hey, if this is how you grow wealth, I can tell you what to do with it once you have it. But if this is how you grow wealth, I want some of that. And hey, right. I can flip a couple houses and, and be home with my baby. So, so I thought. So we took a normal mortgage out to buy a flip property because we didn't know any better. We didn't know about private money and hard money and whatnot. And we bought it in the wrong area at the wrong time. I had the wrong people way over improved it. And it sat on the market for about a year. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I learned so many mistakes with my first one that it made me much smarter and much wiser for the future ones because I think I learned almost all of them in that one failed flip. Wow. Um, During that year, the economy had just started to kind of slow down in Houston and, you know, nobody knew it at the time what was happening, but there was just a lot of oversupply compared to the demand and lots of new construction coming up that, you know, made nicer, bigger houses for as, a, as cheap as what we were trying to you know, flip a, a high end luxury older home for. And my husband lost his job at that time. So mm-hmm. I had a new baby, two mortgages, two car payments, one job. And it was just one of the hardest, most stressful times of my whole life. That taught us a lot, but I really didn't flip another house after that because we lost money and we only had one income and we thought we cannot lose money again. Um, So about a year later, we decided to move to Pennsylvania to start my husband's job. Um, By the grace of God, during that period, we were able to completely pay down his $120,000 school loan, Mm -hmm. um, even though he lost a job because we really followed Dave Ramsey and we did not go into any other debt. We lived real, really, really frugally in order to be able to do that. And even though the flip didn't go real well, we had looked at leasing space in a commercial building to start his business. And it was really expensive, you know, height of the market. And in his little town, most of the businesses on the main drag are an office on the bottom level with apartments on top. Mm-hmm. So we saw this great little building in his hometown and we thought, hey, this is perfect. It's got a retail commercial space on the bottom and it had three apartments and four garages. 
And being the financial advisor mind that I was, I thought, okay, you know, it can't be too bad. We'll have a few tenants and it'll cover like three quarters of the mortgage. And that way, if his business didn't go well the first year, you know, it would mostly have our expenses covered. And then my job that I had been at for many years allowed me a three-month trial work from home gig in Pennsylvania. And so I did not think I was going to keep my job. But for a year, we actually lived with my husband's parents while we built his business because we went into about three quarters of a million dollars of debt. And uh, it was it, it was crazy. And, you know, we had all these coaching and business people saying, you're going to make all this money and it's going to be well worth it. And, you know, of course that was 2007 and I bought a four unit to live in just in case his business didn't do well. We could live in one of our units and have the other three basically pay for our mortgage and our insurance and our taxes. And so we bought properties with tenants really to be protective because we knew we were taking on a lot of debt and needed to just make sure that we were okay if I did lose my job and his business didn't do well. So that kind of started our journey and um, we, we kind of got into having rentals by necessity 12 years ago and then just aggressively buying and, and trying to make it a business. So, you know, you hit on a lot of things and I think that um, our audience can be inspired by a lot of it. You know, grew up relatively poor, you had to deal with domestic violence, abuse situations. You seem to have like a, almost, I would say a chip, because I, I mean, I can recognize that a little bit, you know, having that chip on your shoulder saying, I'm going to be the absolutely very best I can be. I'm going to excel at everything because that's the way I am also. I mean, we have so many similarities, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, but you said something really key that I want to touch on from the entrepreneurial perspective, because I think we're going to be inspired by your your past, but really going into the entrepreneur's perspective, you said you paid down your debt and then you ended up getting back into debt to mm-hmm. get started into the business. So explain the logic behind that because I think a lot of times there can be a misconception. I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It takes a balance, right? I want you to kind of explain that thought process for our, our listening audience. Sure. And, you know, I think it's a really important thing to talk about is debt and leverage and when it's wise and when it's not wise to do it. You know, I really believed strongly about not going into debt for things that you didn't need. And a lot of that I really learned through my training at Bank of America when I was in the private bank. Part of growing up in poverty, there, there's something, you know, they've written lots of, book of books about it, but basically the poverty mentality. And a lot of times, because of the difficulty of life situations, you kind of self-medicate emotionally by buying things to make you feel better. You know, you're not taught how to budget and how to save. Let's at least go buy one big thing that we can kind of feel good about. And so you're just not taught very much about debt and those principles. And I've worked with a lot of inner city kids throughout, you know, my adult life and kind of see that cycle over and over again. So having that financial relationship manager training got me to really start thinking about the wise use of debt and really only using it for growth and for things that can make you more money, not for things that are just something that you want that you really don't need. I got to know Dave Ramsey through my church and I actually facilitated his uh, Financial Peace University. It was a multi-week course 
to teach about budgeting and about the wise use of debt and, and paying down debt. And, you know, I thought I knew a lot and I agreed with them for the most part, but I thought, you know what, every entrepreneur I know has gone into debt and I had been convinced by other people who had businesses that, you know, you have to borrow money to make money. So I had these two kind of silos in my head of no debt for personal stuff and, and the truth, the biblical truth that the borrower is the slave to the lender. When you owe you know, money to car payments or to house payments or for anything else, you're really a slave to working your job in order to be able to pay down those things. And wow. so for me to not be able to be home with my kids was because we were a slave to debt. We were a slave to, you know, a six figure school debt and we were a slave to not only one, but two mortgages. And you would have thought that I would have learned the hard way when my husband lost his job during the flip where we had two mortgages, but we came out on the other side of it. Okay. And we were convinced that, you know, personally we were going to live very frugally, but we thought, you know, for chiropractic, we're going to have to go into some debt in order to succeed. And we started out with an SBA loan and he took about a $400,000 loan. And he had business consultants who said, you know, you're going to spend this much money, but you're going to make six figures every year and it'll all be paid down in five years. And we trusted that. The other almost $400,000 was in the building. So at least I knew the building itself, most of that debt would be covered by tenants. And so I felt better about that debt mm-hmm. or I didn't feel so good about the chiropractic debt, but we just said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to trust this and we're just going to be real frugal with everything else and hope it goes okay. And I would really caution anybody to not do what we did. Um, You know, there's things you can control. And when you take on debt, you always think that you've mitigated every possibility. You know, if I can't pay this, here's how I'm going to do it. You know, what's my exit plans to get out of debt if, if I lose jobs and I can't pay it? You know, how much safety net do I have? And we never could have imagined that we took on all this debt in 2007. And by the end of 2008, he had made six figures that first year, but then the economy collapsed and then healthcare changed. And then, you know, insurance companies quit paying for chiropractic visits and people's, you know, co-pays went from $10 a visit to three to $5,000 deductibles and they couldn't afford to see a chiropractor anymore. They would just pop a pill. And so he almost completely went under and it took everything we had, including the money from those first few rental properties, just to pay our debts when his business was not, you know, doing well. And so we learned a big lesson. And the funny thing is we had actually called into Dave Ramsey when we were debt free the first time. And, you know, he has an audio show and you call in and you say, Mm -hmm. we're debt free. And we were so excited. We were so proud of ourselves. And he said, do not go into debt to start a business. He told us that live on the show. And we thought, eh, he's good, but we know better than him. <laughs> and, and we didn't. It was, it was a really bad mistake, but we learned so much from it. And so, you know, one of the things about real estate, it's a different kind of debt because you're not waiting for, you know, a bunch of uh, patients to come in and meet your business plan. If you buy real estate right and you underpay and you leverage debt very wisely and carefully, you can make it to where it is a much wiser use of debt 
it's not as dependent on, you know, getting more people because people always need a place to live. So it's not to say that the market can't change and you lose everything. You know, when 08 happened, lots of investors who had lots of debts, especially for flips, lost everything. So we learned the hard way how much you truly are a slave to debt. And it's made me a much wiser and more conservative investor because I'm, I'm very careful now about the type of debt that I take out. And I only take out debt if I know that I'm going to have a really nice cushion, even if I didn't have a tenant, you know, for six months that I could cover that mortgage payment with the other income that I have coming in. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's some real good wisdom there. And and we're pretty familiar also with Dave Ramsey. That is something that in the beginning of our marriage that we really implemented. I remember those shows. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, we're gonna call in one day. And so um it was just one of those things. But anyway, yeah. you know, you've really given out some really good um information. The story is just very inspiring. What is one golden nugget that you want to give out to our audience that you use that has really worked for you? Just really knowing what you want out of life and and really knowing what it's going to take to get there Mm -hmm. and creating a plan that you are just relentless about taking goals in order to meet that plan. So for me, you know, it was staying home with my kids and, you know, my oldest son that I told y'all about in the beginning is now 15. And I'm just now at the point where I'm really able to safely and wisely retire, but I never gave up on that desire to be able to have my time really my own, even though a lot of different things happened um, to set me back from that desire to be home. About five years ago, I said, you know, I've done pretty well with these couple of rentals that I have, even through the economy and and all of the changes. So I just knew, you know, if I want to stay home, I've got to bring in six figures in rental income or flip income. And flipping wasn't the wisest way for me to do it. We did a few flips here and there, but I knew that if I built up Um, rental income that wasn't dependent on additional transactions. Like I would work hard on those properties one time, put the tenants in there, and then passively that money would start coming in. And so built backwards a plan to say, this is what I'm going to buy. Here's how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get to that point. So instead of my one, I've got four that are ages, you know, seven to 15. And we are very busy. They're all in sports every single day. Mm. very active in our church and I'm working full time and my husband still has his business and we self-manage 60 units, the rental units. So we're really, really, really busy and it's been really tough. But when you have a goal and you have a vision, you just make up your mind no matter what happens, no matter what setbacks, no matter if it takes longer than I thought it should or it's harder than I thought it should. If I just keep going, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm counting down five yeah. minus one year, five minus two years, five minus three years. And as I, you know, ticked off the time, you know, last February, I met my goal of six years in rental income and you know, about $5 million of rental property at that time. And it really wasn't that I did anything super tremendous. 
It's not that I'm necessarily smarter than anybody else, but I just had a plan and a determination that no matter how hard it is, if I just keep doing this in five years, I've got my exit, my safe exit. Every single day, I'm going to do something to meet my goal. I'm going to look at my goals and I'm going to get there. Yeah, that's, that is the key. I mean, you really hit on something that we often hear the question of how do I get started with no money? And you have clearly demonstrated, you know, that if you have a plan, you know, and you execute on that plan that you can start. So you just have to have that foundation, that plan to begin with. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was, it's very interesting to hear like, you know, the setbacks. You went from watching in 2003, a DIY show about flipping houses. And I think we have all seen these these shows. (laughs) And me and Keisha laughed one time we went on a vacation and we seen, you know, we turn on the DIY show so that we can get a a good laugh. (laughs) Yeah. We're involved in real estate and we're like, oh yeah, no way in the world this is going to be 30 minutes and 50,000. Right. Exactly. we, uh, you know, we watched these shows and we, you went from watching a show thinking six months, 12 months, you know, I'll make $50,000, flip a couple of houses and be out of my job to 15 years later. Mm-hmm. That is a level of persistence yeah. that a lot of people aren't prepared for one and two yeah. don't believe will happen. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. and then to say you work full time still. And you just said you have a over six figure rental income and you still work full time. You have four kids. You're involved in your church. I mean, this is what entrepreneurship is really about. It's not about the Lambos and the private jets and, you know, flashing all this money on social media. It's, it's, you know, the day in, day out persistence, the grind. Absolutely. Entrepreneurship. Absolutely. You're very inspiring because we're only at what, you know, nine or eight or nine years in yeah and mm-hmm. we've had a lot of ups and downs ourselves but I mean mm-hmm. this, this is this is where we, what it's all about yeah and you know you just learn through those things I mean I, I did have you know about a four-year period where I got jaded from real estate we didn't even talk about that yet but I got jaded from somebody that was turned out to be a crook that I trusted and I didn't do anything for four years so I was I just sat there kind of paralyzed by by something that happened to me. And it took me four years to get out of that funk until, you know, almost five years ago when I said, okay, enough is enough. I can do this. We're going to get through it. So, you know, it takes a lot longer sometimes than, than you think that it's going to. You know, I think one thing is a lot of people quit or they say, why haven't you quit your job yet? But because I have gone through the loss of jobs and the economic cycle that we went through that, you know, we could be headed for something similar again, maybe not as bad, but I learned so much from the mistakes I made regarding debt that I was not willing to quit my job and sacrifice my family's well-being without really saving a year's salary, saving six months of expenses for all of my rentals. Um, and knowing that at that point, I could wisely retire from my job. So this is the year I'm retiring, but, but it's been a 16-year journey. So a lot of times people just think, you, oh, you're this overnight success. And it's paved through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and active income before you really get to that point where you can safely live on the passive income forever. Wow. <laughs> There's so many things in there. You took a, a, a four-year high. You said four-year, right? Yes. You took a four-year hiatus from real estate, and in the last five years, 
finally got back into it and said, I'm really going to go after it. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to go for it 100%. Mm-hmm. That is powerful. You know, yeah. I mean, that's really powerful. So, Thanks, Justin. <laughs> I would say give us three things that our audience can take away. But I mean, wow, I don't think (laughs) we really need to go through the three steps. I mean, it is this whole podcast has been some information that if you didn't get, go back, listen to it again. It is uh, full of excellent advice, uh, wisdom from an entrepreneur who's been doing it 16 years in the making. Retire. Just thinking about this from a veteran entrepreneur speaks Mm -hmm. to a new entrepreneur what's something that we could do to improve our situation as entrepreneurs even the people that are veterans there's always something you know it's a saying that you only need one thing from a book one idea one nugget from a book or a conference or whatever to really take you to that next level so give us one you know not necessarily a nugget but a, a specific action item to improve the situation as an entrepreneur in business you know, I, I think one of the things that I wish I had done a lot sooner and that has really allowed me to uh, scale and to you know buy my first larger multifamily and, and to do some other exciting things with in, investing in larger complexes, to really start leveraging your network and utilizing other people for their wisdom and their knowledge and, and other people's money. So we didn't talk very much about it, but you know, everything that I built in the last five years We've built from using our own equity. So, you know, sweat equity to raise values in a property, cashing out the money, putting it back into, you know, buying more. And in hindsight, once I really um, realized I was kind of tapped out of, of using equity to buy more, I finally started going after all of these different things that I had learned about seller financing and private lending and hard money lending and started to kind of tap into other people's money and other people's wisdom. When you try to go it alone, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we think we know best or we just don't have time to network with other people because we're so busy. And we miss out on a lot of um, people that can challenge us to think differently and maybe do things in a more efficient and effective way to meet our, our goals and our dreams more quickly. So I would just encourage you know everybody to... Um, you know, maybe this year you you go to a meetup group or you hire a coach or a mentor, you go to a conference, just do something to challenge yourself and to get around other people, other entrepreneurs and other investors, if that's what you're doing. Wow, that's, that's really good. Now, I want to touch on something that, you know, we don't normally touch on in the podcast, which is real estate. I mean, we're both real estate investors. Um, mm-hmm. You are the more seasoned of the both of us. So for the people that are listening, tell us how to get started. I mean, I know how to get started. We always talk about how to get started in real estate, but kind of give us a perspective from not necessarily the no money down, totally free kind of thing, but you hit on it, being able to leverage other people's money. Talk about how to get started if we have either no experience or no money, because that's the number one question every real estate investor who's already doing it gets asked. How do I get started with no money, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most important things that I don't think is covered enough is you've got to really ask yourself, who are you and where do you want to go? Because, you know, there's lots of courses out there and there's lots of coaching and mentorship opportunities. And and I I do offer that as well for people that want to follow the niche that I am in with, with small rental properties. But So many people think that, you know, I don't have any money, so I've got to wholesale or I don't have any money. So I got to, you know, pay a hard money lender and 
find a contractor and try to flip a property. Um, or I don't have any money. I've got to go out and spend thousands of dollars to market for off-market deals to find a rental portfolio. And they don't think first, what are my goals? Mm. What are my skills? How much time and how much money do I have available? And how much commitment am I willing to give? And how much time am I willing to give beyond what I think I already have? And usually someone either has time, but they don't have very much money. Maybe somebody that's just starting out or you've got one spouse working and somebody has some time to really give to grow a business. Or you might have a lot of money and not have any time. And so you've got to figure out what, which of those two things do you have more of and kind of find a niche that allows you to leverage that. So if I don't have time or money, I really need to figure out, you know, what is my why and what am I willing to give up in my time in order to spend time that's most useful to get where I want to go. If you are somebody that has a construction background and you're really good with your hands, you might be willing to take on a small flip project and maybe you go to a local networking group, um, which I highly recommend of other investors. And you can just say, listen, I'm, I'm new. I want to get into investing. I'm great with my hands. I don't have any money and I need someone to partner with. And if you're going to take on a flip project, which has a lot of risk, I would not go it alone. I would go to a local networking group or I would look to find courses and books that talk about flipping um, and, and the good, bad and the ugly. And, and really, you don't want to get caught in analysis paralysis Right. or you're reading and never doing, but you also don't want to go head first without knowing anything about it and determining, is this even a good fit for me? Is this something I would like to do? Because I think when people chase money and they think, I got to do this to make money, they get burnt out because they, they realize how hard it is and they're not excited about it. Mm. If your vision is, I want to create a lifestyle for myself that allows me to control my own time and I want to spend more time with my kids then you might say, you know what, maybe it's better for me to create a team and let the team go flip and have a team member that's going to go um, raise money. Or you create a partnership with some other people and one of you commit to doing marketing and one of you commit to doing the flipping and one of you go after private money. So you just have to figure out what is, what is your ultimate goal? Right. Um, what are your skills? What are you passionate about? And what are you willing to put up with for the long term that gets you out of your comfort zone in order to reach that goal? And, you know, I think people just jump too fast into, I'm going to be a real estate investor without really asking the most important questions first. Wow. I 100% agree. Now, in, in the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talks about beginning with the end in mind. And you just hit on that like 100%. Yeah. And not only that, you know, we say a lot of the same things probably because of experience, but you said, if you don't have time, you probably have money. If you don't have money, you probably have time. So figure out which one you have more of and do the thing that's opposite to that. It's a symbiotic relationship that you have to create. Exactly. Tell us a little bit more about how you help other people get started in real estate. Sure. So one of the things I'm very passionate about, and I think a lot of it is because I have struggled to be able to stay home with my kids. And I, you know, did grow up poor. And I see so many moms and, and women, especially just trying to figure out a way that they can be home with their kids, provide for their families, 
and bring in another source of income. So especially for women, I've, I've kind of focused on helping some different women who are working or some are, you know, stay-at-home moms who just want that extra income. And I really try to kind of zero base, help them to figure out before you become a real estate investor or you think about what you might do to create an additional income. You know, maybe that's selling network, uh, multi-level products, maybe it's real estate, maybe, you know, what, whatever it may be to kind of sit back and really think, do you have a good handle of your own financial situation and your own budget? Are you able to handle the needs that you have? And are you able to, to budget and save? Because if you can't control your own finances, when you add more property to it, it just becomes that much more stressful and you become that much more enslaved to the debt that you take on to, to reach a goal. Right. And so I really like to sit down with, with people and, and I've sat down with men and women, um, but especially women, and just kind of look at where they are now and help them to come up with a plan for where they need to be financially and kind of talk to them about the good, bad, and the ugly of what it's going to take. So you hit on a couple of things uh, that I want to make sure that I highlight. So you you like to work with people who, especially women who are, you know, stay-at-home moms or who are working full-time to kind of get where they want to go. You mm-hmm. work with men, so it's men and women, but where can they go to learn more information about what you do? Sure. So I have a website. It's www.reimom.com and that's R-E-I-M-O-M.com. And I also have a women's meetup group called REI Like a Girl. For those that are in central Pennsylvania, we meet every couple of months and just talk about different aspects of real estate investing and how we can kind of support each other as women and, and talk about some of the unique challenges of being a woman real estate investor. I like that. REI like a girl. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really cool. So for all our listeners today, uh, Anna is going to give away a free coaching call. Yes. And so, you know, if you want to take advantage of this, go to info at reimom.com. That's info at reimom.com. She's going to give you an initial coaching call. Now I'm going to tell you this, if you were to go to one of the seminars that are free, you'd pay for this. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> Free seminars, you know, they only upsell you to something bigger and, and more expensive. And, you know, I think uh, you talked about that earlier, how you right. went into that hole and uh, I've done the same thing. So, you know, this is a value add opportunity for anybody who's interested in real estate. You get the opportunity to talk to somebody who's been there 16 years in the business. And I, I don't need to reiterate, but I'm going to $12.5 million worth of real estate held. And <laughs> that's not chump change. We could probably stay on this call and talk for hours, but being that we're aware of everyone's time, we want to end the call gracefully. Do you have anything that you want to add, anything that you want our audience to take away as we close up the interview? I would just say, you know, now is a great time to be a real estate investor, but it's also a time where you've got to be very cautious because of kind of where we are in in the market cycle. Um, Economies kind of go in cycles. And if you don't know much about that, that's something you should look into. But We are in one of the longest expansion periods um, in U.S. history, actually, since President Abraham Lincoln was in office. And so we are due for a recession, some difficult times in the next couple of years. You know, nobody has a crystal ball as to when that's going to be. But I'd say, you know, you need to proceed carefully if you decide that you want to get into uh, flipping at this time, especially as a newbie. Some things are, you know, happening where prices are 
are going up, construction prices are going up, and in certain areas of the country, um, houses are sitting a little bit longer. So I think it's a really wise thing to add rental properties to what you're already doing and a rental portfolio that can bring you that passive income, you know, eventually that will withstand many different uh, cycles in the market and really decades of passive income. So just proceed cautiously, make sure you're surrounding yourself with really good people and that before you go it alone, um, you know, you've got a coach or a mentor or somebody that can help you. Wow. Proceed with caution. You heard it first. Proceed with caution. Be sure that you have somebody with experience. There's a lot of courses out there. Don't get caught up in just any of them. So right. have somebody who's talking the, the language and understands expansion and recession. So again, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. And we look forward to seeing your retirement party here soon. Thank you so much. It was my honor to be your guest. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you'd like more information on joining the Real Equity Club, visit the website at realequityclub.com. There, you will get access to the tools, providers, and ideas you need to create, grow, and maintain your wealth. Again, that's realequityclub.com. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com. Or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.